0: The Swain Event Podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways, and TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation.
1: I just wanted to come by and congratulate you on the great work you've been doing.
0: I like your style. You remind me of a young me.
1: Failure
0: is not an option. That boy is good.
2: Don't remind yourself. Nobody built like you. You design yourself.
0: Attaboy. Attaboy is brought to you by Made in Tennessee Business Fiber Internet from Iris Networks. Find business solutions for you at irisnetworksusa.com.
1: Fiber, Internet, and Voice, Irish Networks, USA.com. 90 days, no payment for business internet. All right, Ben, I'm going to give an attaboy to Bayless Jones, who ran a nice time. I did that last week. Also, Elante Taylor had a nice, nice 40. Uh, at the NFL combine there in Indianapolis. Uh, Alante ran in the four threes as well. Super important for him. He ran a four, three, six, had a vertical jump of 34 and a half inches, a broad jump of 10 feet, eight inches. If you want to know if that is good, the answer is yes, that is good. He did not do his three cone drill, 20 yard shuttle, 40 yard shuttle. Uh, it appears he's going to do that at the pro day. Uh, he did not bench at all. So he did do a really good job on uh, his timing there. Looking at some of the other guys, Matthew Butler, uh, he had 17 reps at 225. I'm sure he's going to want to bench again at pro day and look to have more than that. Um, K. Mays, he... Did not bench at the combine. He will bench more than likely at the pro day. Um, His own field work is going to be big for him. Um, He did weigh in at 311, 6'4 and 3 quarters. Man, I'm just giving my attaboy to Alante Taylor for a nice 40-time at 4.36. And uh, two guys, man. 4'3 speed. 4'3 speed. Showing off at the NFL combine. So, um, attaboy to those two gentlemen. Ben, what do you have over there if you have anything?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna give Tennessee baseball some love Please. for Attaboy this morning, going two and one in a very impressive tournament that features some of the best college baseball programs in the country. Did fall to Texas seven to two on Friday night. Just kind of some uncharacteristic Mistakes by Tennessee really beat themselves. I I do think Texas is better than Tennessee in general, but also hard not to be frustrated with that game with the, the self-inflicted wounds that Tennessee had Uh, some early base running mistakes that kept some runs off the board. You had an error there in the, the sixth inning that would have kept it a one run game. If you make the, the double play, then it's 2-1 to one Texas, and that next half inning, Tennessee tied the game, I believe, on an Evan Russell homer, if I'm not mistaken. No, that that was in the, the fifth inning. Uh, in the seventh inning, Tennessee scored on a Cortland-Lawson double that if you had not made the error at second and you turned the double play to get out of the inning, it would have been 2-2. Two to two. And it's a, a much different feeling over those last couple of innings. So uh, I, I thought Tennessee really beat itself against Texas. Uh, so that was frustrating to watch. But you do have to credit the performance of Chase Burns. And this 18-year-old, who is a true freshman, Wow, is just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I, I still can't believe that he made it to Tennessee. And that he did not get drafted. But, hey, he did tell teams ahead of time that I'm going to Tennessee no matter what. So, uh, really cool that he decided to do that. But against the number one team in the country, 10 strikeouts, one walk, one earned run, and only two hits allowed on 81 pitches. And probably could have gone back out there for the sixth inning. Probably should have gone back out there for the sixth inning. Tony Vitello wasn't really happy with himself following the game that he did pull uh, chase burns from that game he he told me afterwards that the the game essentially and i'm paraphrasing the game essentially boiled down to me not riding chase burns and you certainly understand why true freshman third career start Uh, he's already at 81 pitches it's early in the year the texas game isn't near as important as the games that Tennessee is going to play at the end of the year in the SEC tournament in the NCAA tournament. So you understand it, but also maybe could have gone out there for for one more inning. So Chase Burns, I mean, he was phenomenal and gets a huge attaboy. Uh, and then on Saturday, Tennessee takes care of Baylor, 10-5. to five, And that one looked shaky there, <laughs> the top of the first. Chase Dolander did not have his best stuff and allowed – Baylor to take a 4 nothing lead there in the first inning. And it was all self-inflicted once again. Uh, he hits the first batter of the game. Uh, that that batter steals second. And, and then he gave up a walk. And, and then Baylor stole six bases in the inning. And Tony Vitello alluded to that being more on the pitching, being more on Dolander. He never specifically... Mentioned Dolander or, or the pitcher, but he took up for Evan Russell afterwards, which in my opinion, and there were some other quotes in there as well that Tony shared with me that insinuated that it was because the pitcher was not giving Evan Russell any chance at, at throwing a runner out. And then later in the game, Baylor only tried to steal one base off of Kirby Connell, and Evan Russell threw him out. So that, that would also support Tony's argument there as well. But, Swain, it looks shaky there. Uh, at the beginning of Saturday's game because you had just lost to Texas. Baylor goes up four to nothing in the top of the first, and then Tennessee did a really good job of, of bouncing back in the bottom of the first and, and scoring four runs there. Jarrell Ortega had an RBI double. Drew Gilbert had an RBI single. Trey Lipscomb had a sack fly to deep center, and then Luke Lipsius had a, a an RBI ground out, and it was four to four all of a sudden, and Tennessee didn't really look back. They scored a run in the second. Uh, Jared Dickey, who had a terrific weekend, another one of Tennessee's freshmen that played really well this weekend. He had an RBI double uh, in in the third inning. Tennessee scored four runs. Evan Russell had a two-run double. Christian Scott had a, a two-run home run opposite field, and Tennessee goes on to win 10-5. to And Kirby Connell deserves a lot of credit. Him and his mustache deserve a ton of credit because it was looking like Tennessee was really going to have to run through its bullpen on Saturday, but Kirby Connell came in and ate up 4.2 innings and gave up just one run. And that one run that he gave up was uh, against the last batter he faced. And then yesterday was just kind of ho-hum for the Vols. Uh, Another true freshman on the mound, your guy Drew Bean, who you interviewed on the locker room a couple of weeks ago. He was terrific on the bump. Five innings, no, no runs allowed. One walk, six strikeouts, two hits given up. And sixty-eight total pitches, and Tennessee did plenty of damage on offense. Eight runs on eleven hits. So, uh, tough loss, frustrating loss on Friday to Texas, but a a great weekend overall for the Vols. As SEC play isn't this weekend, but next weekend.
1: Yes, yes, Again, to open up against uh, you open up against South Carolina. Cox, let's go, let's go, man. Now, Tony, I felt like was trying to protect his his young his young ace. You know, early in the season, um, I'd rather him do that than run a guy in the ground, knowing that he has a bright future. And uh, I appreciate that from, from from Tony, and I also appreciate him. You know, publicly kind of criticizing himself that that tells you right there he's comfortable in his own skin, and we we know that already. But that's just another another sign. That's just another piece of evidence that tells you what type of uh, person Tony Vitello is, man. He's just comfortable. Comfortable is an on skin. He's he's okay with you know, criticizing himself. Uh, Tennessee reminded me a little bit of, of last year's team, man. Get down, hit some adversity, not panic, and just find a way to win. And that's what Tennessee did against Baylor and then against Oklahoma. My goodness. I mean, whew. Man, that felt like that felt like the uh, 2015 game here, except for the baseball team actually finished the game, but <laughs> just jumped on them and just never looked back.
2: Sure. And uh, Oklahoma, a, a, a good college baseball program as a whole, but I, I think that they may struggle this year. They they only had three hitters in their lineup that were impressive uh, and and don't have very much pitching at all. I mean, Chaz Martinez, their lefty that they threw yesterday, was supposedly their best arm. And, I mean, Tennessee went to work on him, and and he did not last very long long whatsoever. I mean, Tennessee scored five runs off of him in the first three innings alone. And Tennessee had several hits all weekend long that were well hit, just kind of right at somebody. I mean, Jordan Beck, he hit probably four or five baseballs that would have been no doubt home runs at Lindsey Nelson Stadium or most college baseball stadiums. Mm -hmm. And in the big league park, they were just warning track outs. And Trey Lipscomb had a couple of those as well. The exact quote that Tony Vitello gave on Friday after the Chase Burns outing and debate on whether or not Tony should have pulled him when he did, I, I thought situational baseball, situational hitting was define Tennessee's loss more than pulling Chase Burns when he did. And situational baseball is uh, those high leverage situations in the game that determine who wins or loses. For instance, the double play that was not uh, completed, that was poor situational baseball, that ended up costing Tennessee in the long run. So that was my first question because I, I thought the situational baseball and Uh, The situational hitting was more of the issue against Texas. And and so that was my first question to Tony. And instead, Tony, like said, a couple of words about that and then immediately went to the Chase Burns situation and said, I'll beat you to the punch. I think the root of what went on tonight is that Chase Burns was outstanding and I chose not to ride him, uh, as I had paraphrased earlier. And I agree with you, Swain. I, I think it's really neat i guess or i appreciate that tony is looking out for chase burns because chase burns mm-hmm. is going to make so much money uh in in his career if he can stay healthy because he is just an elite talent i mean he is he's uh, the nico of baseball i mean that's truly what he is he is the the nico Maliava of 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 baseball with the hype uh same level of hype within the baseball world and Uh, The the same level of talent in in their respective job, if you want to call it that, Uh, their their respective craft. And he is living up to the hype. So I appreciate that Tony Vitello is being cautious with him to start the year. And he was at 86 pitches. So it's it's not like, or 81 pitches. It's not like he was at 68. I mean, you could make the case that he pulled Drew Beam early on Sunday than he should have, but Tennessee was leading, so nobody was thinking anything of it. Yeah, uh, and also if Camden Sewell comes in and shuts the door on Texas, then nobody's having that discussion about if Tony pulled Chase Burns too early. Uh, and I I think that was the the bigger question mark is why bring in Camden Sewell, not why pull Chase Burns. And look, Camden Sewell, I I love Camden Sewell. I I have I'm the president of the Camden Sewell fan club. Anybody who has followed my coverage of all baseball the last several years is aware of this but the reason i question bringing in camden sewell in that spot is because he had just pitched 52 innings or 52 innings lord that's a lot of baseball he should never pitch again Um, at, at this time 52 pitches against etsu on tuesday you you really used him on tuesday and they they weren't just 52 pitches. I mean, they were 52 pitches in a close ball game against ETSU on Tuesday, and then you immediately go to him out of the bullpen on Friday against the number one team in the country. And to me, he looked worn down. Tony Vitello added that he was working quicker than normal, and he thought that he was a little too juiced up in the moment. Uh, so I thought that was the bigger question mark, or the the more questionable decision is is bringing in. Camden Sewell there as the first guy out of the bullpen over Chase Burns. Because if if Camden Sewell goes in there, Swain, and shuts Texas down and Texas doesn't have a, a big inning, that inning, nobody's questioning bringing out or pulling Chase Burns when he did.
1: 865-255-03. I got a message um, from, from my baseball expert friend who says, Ben is right. Ben is right. Uh, let's go to the phones and um, the way it works today. Because I am producing, Ben is, is in H-Town on his way back to Tennessee today, but uh, unable to answer the phones live, uh, excuse me, on break and, and kind of screen the call. So don't know who's calling. So when you call, we put you in, um, put you on air. Just tell us who you are and where you call her from. And uh, that's how we will rock today uh, during the Swain event. Ben will be back tomorrow. Alright, let's go to the phones. Uh, good morning. Who do we have?
3: Hello? T C and Athens. T C and Athens, baby. Yeah. What's up? That's good to hear you. Where you been, man. man? Man, I've just been working. I just uh, you know, gotta make that Got to make that coin, brother.
1: No, I understand that. I thought you, I thought she went to sleep in the, you know the the Georgia arena because there was nobody there. <laughs> I thought she had a tent pulled up and you just fell asleep. Man, it was camping out and just and just forgot. I thought she just woke up.
3: Bro, is that not the saddest place you ever seen in your life?
1: Man, it looked pretty good to me. I loved it.
2: <laughs>
1: but yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. did look sad for Georgia. You know, athletics. That's why. And just like Georgia football, TC like. Eventually they're gonna get it right, right? I mean, they got too many resources, too much talent in that state. They'll get it right. They just
3: don't care, though, man. I know, you know, and especially now in the day of the NIL bills where you got to have boosters step up that put some money into it to to get these kids there and stuff. And I mean, I, I mean, we all know it's kind of been that way before anyway. But but I mean, that just shows you they just do not care about the sport whatsoever. They'd rather turn out for a women's gymnastics meet. Yeah,
1: we said so. the same thing about Alabama basketball. They got serious, I guess. So hopefully, it doesn't yeah,
3: happen I, soon. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree. They, you know, they they should have gone after Bruce Pearl back in the day when before Auburn got him. They didn't do that. Oh. Uh, but again, but they just they just don't care. So, but anyway, that's not what I called today. Well, I called is I would, Swain. You know, I know you you do. Camps and coach kids of football and all that. But, you know, I hear you talking about your basketball days and all that. Can you get with Kennedy Chandler and work with that boy on free throw shooting?
1: Man, that's all mental right there. That's all mental. I mean, his it's, it's, it's stroke is it's good enough to, to make three pointers and be four for four, five for five. But I just feel like he's, you know, you know what? I feel like he's leaning too much. Um, Tom Cream pointed him out. You know, after the game, mm-hmm. so he's leaning to the left. I felt like he was leaning backwards. Uh, I thought his momentum was going backwards, which is why the short was the sh- the shot was short. So, well, you uh, know,
3: you're talking about his stroke, but the whole thing is really it's the entire routine. His routine is just odd when it comes to free throw shooting. He gets up there. It's usually now he slowed it down a little bit earlier this season. it was ridiculously quick, how mm-hmm. I mean, it was like the ball would hit his hands and he was throwing it up like it was like he had to do it you know like a last second shot or something. He has slowed that down a little bit, but like he doesn't even look at the goal until right before he right before he releases the ball, like he's just kind yep. of looking straight ahead. And then, as he's coming up with the ball, then his eyes come up and see the. I mean, it's just the oddest free throw shooting routine I've ever seen. And bottom line is, it ain't working.
2: Yep, I noticed that too, TC. And I was actually about to say the same thing: is he brings his eyes up towards the rim at the same time, or uh, at the at the very last second? And to me, that that you would think that that would throw off his line of vision or throw off something, and it seems to be thrown off a lot.
3: Yeah, it's just crazy. And, I mean, we got great coaches on that staff that I, I just don't understand. I, I, it makes zero sense to me that his routine is as poor as it is.
1: He's in a rush. I mean, earlier in the season, um, he mentioned the fact that he didn't stay in there. So, he would shoot it and kind of you know, lean back or try to exit the free throw line, and his shots were coming up short instead of keeping his feet still. Um finishing on his toes and then holding his follow through like he wasn't like he wasn't doing that and then he started doing it and then he was a little bit better from the free throw line and now he just rushes his routine I mean you you have you have 10 seconds so you have you have time so uh last week against Georgia he's leaning to the left I thought Saturday he was kind of just I thought he was lackadaisical and uh just not locked in I thought from a technical standpoint he was kind of leaning backwards a little bit which is why the shot was short now i can i can talk shooting all day long um i can do that so i mean i got you there tc um but that's just that's mental that's getting back to the drawing board i think once they see the film he sees the film he's gonna see those technical errors i think he'll be able to fix it pretty easy but this team this team's achilles heel in the tournament will
3: be free throw shooting Absolutely. If we don't, if we get knocked out early, it's going to be because we could not shoot free throws,
2: and it's going to be and, so uh, annoying.
3: Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, but man, I love this team. They're just so freaking fun to watch. I love Ball Nation. The way they step up for, uh, you know, our own, and and uh, just awesome to see uh, what's been going on. Hey, guys, I'm still around. I know I don't call in much, but I still love you, and uh, I'll holler at you later. Have a good one.
1: My man, TC, good to hear from you, man. Good to see your growing daughters, 16 years old. I remember when they were little, little kids. TC, bring them to the games. But, uh, man, my kids are growing up. So that means everybody else's kids are growing up, too. Good to hear from you, TC. Yeah, I mean, it's all. I think it's all concentration there with with uh, Kennedy and just rushing his routine. Um, a lot of guys have their eyes down at the ball. He's the guy. Kennedy's the guy who likes to spin the ball. Um, I, listen, your routine is your routine, and you got to do what's yes. comfortable to you. I've never been a fan of spinning the ball, um, just because I just feel like you know, put your hands in the right place and just shoot it. Uh, I'm not a long routine guy. I'm like one, two, three, one to two, maybe three dribbles and let it fly. Uh, I love Steph Curry's routine. It's just one dribble, one dribble, put it up. But that's his routine. If it works for you, cool. But I've seen guys, you know, have their eyes down at the, at the ball uh, during their routine and their eyes go up right before they shoot it. And they're good sh- free throw shooters. I've seen guys, you know, lock in on the rim while dribbling the ball and shoot the ball, put the ball in the pocket, shoot it, and um, you know, shoot it very, very well. Uh, I was watching Emmanuel quickly yesterday. The Knicks was playing the Clippers and he's second leading free throw shooter in in the league at ninety percent or ninety two percent, something like that. But it's it's one two dribbles. One, two, maybe three dribbles. There's no spin of the basketball. He's just putting it up. So, you know, Steph doesn't spin the ball. He just puts it up. Um, but if it works for you, it works for you, and you have to do what it what what works for you. But I'm just not a fan of spinning the ball. That's just that's my personal preference. Um, it's not a technical era. It's not it's not like Uro shooting free throws or um, someone who can't shoot. He can shoot them. It's just focus. So hopefully he's able to, to get that down because it's time to go, man. It is tournament time. It is officially tournament time. SEC tournament. And the NCAA Tournament uh, Selection Sunday is a few days away as well. So good to hear from you, T.C. Big Orange123 says he was 90% in high school. ZZ was also, I believe. Uh, Fox Vols says, I think Chandler needs to copy Dwayne Wade's stance and routine when shooting free throws. Um, Chandler doesn't bend his knees enough, too. It's all arms. That's true. That's true. There's not much bend in the knees. There's not much, uh, you know, hip hip bend. Oh, that's where the power comes from, man. And your legs. I do think the the, the
2: the biggest issue is what you said at the beginning of TC's call. He's drifting back on the free throw line. He's been doing it all year. Mm-hmm. That's he, what it He's is. falling back as he's shooting. We we talked about this weeks ago, and and the the whole eyesight thing. I'm kind of. Nitpicking, I do believe that can be an issue. Uh, and I recognize that the, the sports are different. But just f- when I pitched, Swain, if, if I looked at the catcher's mitt at the very last second, I my command was not very good. It just was not. And again, I recognize it's different pitching a baseball, shooting a free throw. It's different. But I think the same logic still somewhat applies. And I just, I, I think you have a, a hard time you can get out of rhythm. You can get out of line, in my opinion. When when you kind of take your eye off the target, and, and not saying that he just has to lock in at at the you know for ten seconds at at the rim while he's going through his routine. But it, to me, it, it on top of the leaning back, I think that's the biggest issue. Uh, falling backwards as he is shooting, I I, I do think that. As, as he is kind of rushing and he looks up at the last second, I do think that's creating an, an issue as as well. But I'm also not a, a basketball coach and don't teach shooting form and how to shoot free throws and uh, whatnot. And I am I I know for a fact Rick Barnes has said it publicly that they've gone back and looked at the film and, and they've talked with Kennedy about it. So hopefully they can get it figured out because it is all mental. And Kennedy said that this is the worst he's ever shot free throws in his life as – you or TC mentioned that he's – or somebody in the text box said that he shot 90% in high school, and Kennedy said that exact thing after the game.
1: Yes, it's not one of those things where, like, oh, you, you can only fix it in the offseason. I mean, like Santiago Vescovi, his conditioning and, and, and agility, those were things that he fixed in the offseason because it took time. It took time of training. Well, with, with Kennedy, that's something he can fix today. I mean, he can fix that. It's probably already fixed it's it's a quick fix. It's an easy fix. Uh, he'll see it on film, but he just needs to take his time and just stay true to his fundamentals and, and to his technique. I don't have a, 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 a doubt that he's going to make those adjustments because we saw him make it uh, once already this season when he was struggling and then he fixed it and then it was pretty uh, efficient from the free throw line, but now he's kind of went backwards. So he can do it. He's shown he can do it. He just has to. Has to do it. Um, going to the text box. We got you about. We got you for another thirty minutes, Ben. We got to get you on the air and back to Knoxville, man. Get you out of Houston, please. Uh, Rodney says Chandler can't see. No, Chandler does wear his glasses now. You right about
2: that? Maybe, maybe he needs that Jameis
1: eye surgery. He, he can see from three point line, so it can't Have be. Have
2: you that. Ever, uh, <laughs> correct you know why because he's not drifting back on a shot (laughs) he he, his his three-point shot looks pretty he and even on his three-point shot i mean he on on or on his regular jump shot i mean he doesn't use a a lot of legs it's it seems like it's more arms than it is rest of his body right
1: yeah i mean you got some momentum though like while you're shooting those threes and jump shots when you're 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 catching it and shooting it or you're off the dribble there's still momentum Free throw line, it's it's no momentum at all. You have to create it yourself, and you create it with your legs. And if you're not um, using your legs and and bending that hip to generate some power, man, it's going to come up short, especially when you start getting to the second half and you're tired after going up and down the court a couple times without a whistle. You really have to focus on your legs uh, and making sure that you get the ball over the front of the rim. Uh, Nelson from Jackson. Nelson from Jackson um, has a message, but we will get to that message. You know what? I'll read the message, then we'll take a break so people can marinate on it. How were we able to add the DB from Georgia Tech? I thought we couldn't add players until after spring. Well, Nelson, you know we covered this, Nelson. You know we covered this. You know we broke it down in detail, but we'll do it again for you, Nelson. Uh, We got you taken care of and why Tennessee was able to bring in a transfer at a position of need. Ben will definitely agree to that. So we will take a quick time out here in hour number two. Hour two is brought to you by Action 247. Use the promo code code Event. First time customers, first time making a deposit, and Action will match your first deposit 50% up to $800. Dollars. That is eight hundred dollars. We will take a quick timeout, and we will return our two again. This brought to you by Action Two Four Seven. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.
4: You're listening to the Swain Event. You don't say.
3: Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Yeah.
0: In this day and age, the way we work is changing and evolving. Businesses still moving forward despite your work location changing and supply shortages affecting a number of different areas. Office Furniture is not immune to the halt in the supply chain. This is why Office Furniture Outfitters has purchased desks, chairs, and tables in bulk to provide you with in-stock options for your place of business, no matter if it's in an office building or at your house. Office Furniture Outfitters is the local supplier for Herman Miller, and they keep air on chairs in stock. They will come to your office, lay out and make recommendations. No project is too big or too small. You can visit them on location at 17th Street and Grand Avenue in the Fort Sanders area or online at ofonox.com or give them a call at 865-524-3003. Office Furniture Outfitters, providing East Tennessee's biggest selection and best value
3: for office furniture since 1995. Is that as low as you can go? Okay, thank you.
4: Good morning, Swain Event Crew. The new year is here and it's the 2022 East Tennessee real estate season. As I always do, I'm gonna shoot straight with you. If you have a home to sell, then you need to give me a call ASAP. Inventory is low and I will get you the most money possible and more than you think trying to sell it on your own. If you are a seller that also needs to buy a home, you need to call me ASAP. As there are ways I can help you manage that situation and stay in your home until we find what you want. If you are looking to buy, you need to call me ASAP. You absolutely need someone on your side to help navigate the current waters. And you need someone that's going to do their homework and find homes that aren't on the market yet. Bottom line, you need to call me today ASAP. Jennifer Morris, Keller Williams Realty, 865-257-7897. If you are buying, selling, or considering investing in real estate this year, or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you soon, and go balls.
0: I know missing the show live is a bummer, but don't fret. You can catch up on the podcast posted daily on the app,
4: online, and on iTunes. Awesome!
1: Question from the text box on your free Swain Event app for Android Apple devices from Nelson. My man Nelson in Jackson, Tennessee. In Tennessee now, getting busy in the transfer portal. How about that? I know ben, Ben's been saying we need to we need to address defense. We need to address Defense Nelson from Jackson, his question before the break was, how were we able to add DB from Georgia Tech? I thought we could add players until the spring. Tennessee was able to bring in DB, Wesley Walker, who is the stepbrother of Tyler Barron, went to Innsworth High School there in the mid-state, will have three years of eligibility, um, but he transfers to Tennessee, And to answer Nelson's question, Tennessee always was able to add one or two during this stretch. When we discussed not being able to take a bunch of players like we saw South Carolina do, like we saw LSU do and continue to do, they brought in uh, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback from Arizona State, the reason why we were not doing what those teams were doing, bringing in five, six, seven players through the portal, was because of the numbers crunch. Remember, Tennessee self-imposed scholarship reductions over three years, but instead just did it all in one season because you already were below the numbers because of transfers uh, from Pruitt to Hypo. So Tennessee was like, let's just go ahead and just just take the L all together in one season and then be able to recruit normally uh, in year two moving forward, which was smart. And Tennessee was still able to go out, win seven games with a chance to win eight in the bowl game. So the way it works is the academic calendar year will end after spring semester, which will be after spring football. So Tennessee We'll be able to add more after the spring semester once you have guys maybe deciding to transfer. There'll be more opportunities there. Uh, but Tennessee was always able to get maybe one or two, which is why Tennessee was targeting Jared Verse, who went to Florida State, and then Isaiah Nayor, who went to Texas. So you didn't you didn't see Tennessee targeting five, six guys in the portal. It was only like one or two here and there. So they still had that opportunity, had that opportunity to add to their roster, and they did that with Wesley Walker. And you gotta be careful because players are in the portal for a reason. Players are in the portal for the re- for reasons. So if you are Tennessee, look at who, who look who are you competing against: the Georgias and the Floridas and the South Carolinas and the and and the Missouris. You play LSU, so you want to get players that can help you win those games, and you want to get players who are currently better than the players that you have. If you have a guy in the portal that you're looking at and he's not better than the player that you have, it's not worth it. But if he is better than the player that you have, I don't care if the player you have is a seven and the player in the portal is a 7.5, take him. It's worth it. So that's why we was able to add a player at this point before spring football. Nelson, we was always able to add maybe one or two. Did I cover that okay, Ben? Anything that? Think we good? Think we good be there? Be here in the spring, right? Sorry about that. I had you I had you muted. Say
2: it again. All good. Uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The one thing I would add is that he's not going to be here until after the spring. So, technically, that spot's not going to count un, until after the spring. Uh, until yeah. after the academic year finishes. So, that that's... I assume the the other reason you're able to make this move is because you you did have a spot or two available uh, for this semester, which is why they were trying to go get Jared Verse, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, the the receiver that went to Texas that I've already deleted from my memory um, since he chose not to come to Tennessee. Um, So you had a spot or two open that, that you could fill. But, I mean, even... This this spot won't count until after the semester is over because he won't be here. There so it technically is. Technically this is this is gonna be a number for next year.
1: There it is. Yep. Yep, because you can't start you can't start classes right now. I'm gonna say in the middle of the semester. So um good good point, good point by you. So
2: that's that's why Nelson. That's He's an in intriguing Prospect. The the step brother of Tyler Barron kind of played Uh, a bunch of different positions there at Georgia Tech. Wesley Walker did, and I thought it was interesting. If you look at his Twitter bio, uh, he says defensive hybrid. Uh, Tennessee is recruiting him to play the star position and potentially uh, replace Theo Jackson. He has three years of eligibility left, and uh, I'll be real curious to see what kind of impact he can make for Tennessee. 96 career tackles in 23 games. So he does have some experience and kind of played all over the field at Georgia tech. But again, Tennessee is recruiting him to play that star position.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. Versatility. Versatility. That's what you want. He's the guy that played, play some corner in high school, played safety at, at Georgia tech. Uh, and you're going to have to be able to cover anyways. If you play in this conference, because they'll spread you out. They will, um, put their best receiver in the slot to try to match them up against safeties who can't run as well. So if you are Tennessee, if you're any defensive staff, you want to go out and recruit guys who are versatile. They can play uh, inside and out. They can tackle. They can cover. That's what you ideally want. It's hard to find those guys and find five or six of them that can do it uh, on one team. But that's 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 the plan. Like that's the game plan.
2: Do you want me to bring any transfers back with me to Knoxville from, from Houston, from the university of Houston? I'm in my hotel room. We're staying on the university of Houston's campus. and I'm right in the middle and I can, I can see into Houston's football stadium right now. I, I'm looking at their, their scoreboard and at their football stadium. Are, are there any Houston football players you would like for me to help move back to Knoxville as I come back this afternoon?
1: Uh. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know, if, I don't know if there's any good players in the portal from
2: Houston. <laughs> I, I don't either. Who, who's the coach here? Major Applewhite? Now, no, it's Dana, Dana Hogerson. Uh, that's right, Dana Hogerson. That's right. The mullet. I have not seen the mullet while I've been here. Yeah. So, I mean, I... but if if I see any, I will uh, pack them up with me and bring them back—a tackle or uh, an edge rusher or a receiver. Surely they have one receiver that I could bring back with me.
1: That's it. That's I mean, that's, that's what we need right there.
2: Speaking of receivers, Tennessee did pick up a commitment from a receiver yesterday mm-hmm. for the class of 2023. Tennessee picked up two commitments yesterday, the transfer from Georgia Tech, and then they also picked up a high school commit from Nate Spillman, a 2023 receiver from Lipscomb Academy there in Nashville. His head coach being Trent Dilfer and – up at Volquist, you can read all about what Tennessee is getting in Nate Spillman. Trent Dilfer said that he's the ultimate football player and teammate. They make very few like him. He's everything you're looking for as a coach. Nate is obviously very talented, but that's not what makes him so special. He's talented, but there's a lot of talented players who aren't winners. He's the total package, along with being long, athletic, and tough. He has good ball skills and is a very good route runner. To me, that's not the headline, though. The headline is that he's one of the toughest guys on the team. He's a leader on this team. He's probably the hardest worker on the team and does everything to help you win. You're looking for guys who not only will help increase your talent, but who also help develop a better winning culture. He's done that for us, and will do that for Tennessee.
1: Six, one and a half, 194 in that range. When you look at the offer sheet, and... Um... Ben?
2: Yes. What a goal at. (laughs) Uh, Where's the offers? Yeah, I mean, this is not Carnell Tate that committed or Devin Hyatt, somebody who is ranked highly by the recruiting service or uh, have a a lot of offers. Um, But Tennessee likes him. So I, I don't really have a take on him one way or the, or the other, honestly. Uh, somebody texted me yesterday and asked me what I thought about Nate Spillman, and I said, I don't know. <laughs> I it, It's my job to know who is committed, but it, it's not my job to be a receiver evaluator. Uh, that That's not my, my area of expertise. I do know that uh, Nate Spillman has grown on Tennessee – over time and maybe a year ago they did not feel comfortable taking his commitment, but I think that he has uh, really improved over the last year or so and, and Tennessee reached a point to where they, they really did want to, to bring him in. So uh, that that's about the only thing I have to offer.
1: Well, the way this stuff works, we know that is, is this is all commitments, all in contingent on how you grow and develop as a player throughout, you know, your last year. And if you don't get better, if, if you fall off, then a school will go the other d- direction. And that's certainly on the table here. Uh, what else is on the table is Tennessee saying, you know what, we see something in him that maybe other people don't see right now, and then he blows up, but you the one who saw it first and committed to him first, and he committed to you first, and boom, he, he gets here and never thinks one time about opening up his recruitment or, or you know, his, uh, commitment to you wavering at all because you were early. So, um, recruiting is fluid. Commitments are are fluid, but gotta be right. Gotta be right. He, and uh, he also has
2: a younger brother who is a four-star linebacker. Well, there it is. The 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 next class. Now, I don't think that's the sole reason that Tennessee is bringing in Nate Spillman. I, I truly don't. Uh, I I went and watched him play against Knoxville Catholic earlier this year when Lipscomb Academy came to town because Lipscomb Academy has several Tennessee targets and Nate Spillman is, is always been a target on the receiver board. Just you'd never felt like he was at the very tip top of the board. Uh, that's been reserved for some other guys like, like a Cardinal Tate, mm-hmm. uh, but he he made a terrific contested catch for a touchdown in the end zone. That that was very impressive. Um, that, that was kind of the one thing that stood out to me when I went and watched him play and his younger brother, Edwin, the linebacker, I mean, he, he really stood out. I mean, that kid looks like he can really play. Uh, he was flying all around the field. Uh, if, if you're going to be an sec player, then you should stand out in games and yep. his younger brother, Edwin, I mean, he actually absolutely stood out in that Catholic game. Uh, they also have a teammate, Caleb Beasley. Who is a 2024 as well, a DB who uh, is is on the board as well, and Tennessee likes, and he's been to Tennessee a couple of times. So Lipscomb Academy may maybe becoming a pipeline for Tennessee under Trent Dilfer.
1: Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the plan. But
2: I always thought Trent Dilfer was better than Chris Winkie.
1: No, well, duh. All, all, I mean, our, our pipeline from from Lipscomb will be better than the pipeline from IMG if Chris, we had anything to do with it. So don't have, don't have a hot take. I mean, don't have a take on the, on the young man, um, I right mean. now, other than offers look a little slim and, um, Tennessee just, and Tennessee understands that they can't miss, they can't miss, especially on a group that you are going to rely on so much. And it appears that Kelsey Pope is, is, is the guy. Because we did see a recruit tweet out his gratitude, getting an offer from from Kelsey
2: Pope. So you know not, what recruit that was? Who was that? Oh, you know who what recruit that was? Who was it, man? Nico's teammate, Nico's receiver. Um, oh. uh, <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> but uh, what I
1: say, what I say before before we ended <laughs> the show on Friday? What you got to do? Offer him. You better offer him.
2: Do whatever it takes.
1: <laughs> you better offer that young man. And that's 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 what that's what Tennessee uh, has done. So good. But it looks like Kelsey Pope is gonna be the guy. Man, that means that Tennessee has put a premium on having someone that knows offensively what you're doing, and they feel like recruiting wise, that if he's good at developing relationships and, and, and connecting with young people he has a work ethic, which that's a lot of it is banging the phones and being used to being on the phones. I don't know if he, if he's married, if he has any kids, but those single coaches, man, they got a lot more, lot more time to bang those phones and talk to the recruits. So if he can do that with the help. Tony yeah. If he, if he, if he, <laughs> if, if he can do that with the help of our resources that we have here in Tennessee, then, um, you know, he he should be okay. But don't have a hot take really on Kelsey Pope. Honestly, you had an opportunity to go out and get some guys who are more proven at developing wide receivers that that Tennessee looks like they chose not to to go forward with. And uh, I just hope that we're right because, and I'm saying this on March the 7th, if we fire ourselves with Alex Golish leaving to be a head coach somewhere and if he takes Kelsey Pope with him and Tennessee goes out and brings in a receiver coach is not good I'm I'm like I'm lighting somebody up I ain't going to be happy about it because Isn't that
2: that's certainly understandable Yeah
1: yeah yeah I ain't going to be happy about it but I understand why we're doing it. I, I really do. I think uh, yeah, continuity I is it. important. I think yeah. I I think I think it's important. I think having your staff on the same page is important. And um, it at this point of the spring, kind of hard to bring in a new receiver coach and just you know teaching him like you're teaching the freshman wide receiver. So I get that, but just understand that we've seen uh, OC leave or DC leave and take people with them. And then the head coach be unable to kind of fill that void with the quality position coach. So hopefully that does not happen uh, in the future, but I'm just talking about the future what could happen, not that it's happening now or that it's going to happen. Just, just saying that it could happen. And hopefully it does not.
2: I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I, there will be frustration if it does not work out Swain. But at, at this point in time, I I understand the move just with where the calendar is at. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard to go hire a, a proven commodity. Mm-hmm. And I certainly understand because of where we are in the calendar, on the calendar, just going ahead and, and bumping up Kelsey Pope. Man, like, you, again, could, you
1: could have hired a proven commodity.
2: Is Dixon... I mean that that much of a proven commodity though. I mean, he's,
1: he's more proven than Kelsey Pope. You could have hired Trooper. You could have hired David Johnson.
2: Yes. Yeah. And I would love to know the reasoning as to, to why he still felt more comfortable promoting Kelsey Pope if that is indeed what it turns out to be. Yeah. And maybe I'm, you know, letting Josh hype off the hook too easily, but Like I I, with where we are in the calendar and trusting somebody that's been within the offense, I don't mind giving them a shot. Especially when all you hear is good things about Kelsey Pope in terms of the players really liking him Mm -hmm. and jiving well with him. Mm -hmm. Like I'm willing to give Kelsey Pope a chance because I I think you hit the nail on the head a second ago in terms of if, if you work hard and you can relate to people, you're you're personable then you should be pretty good at this job, yeah. at least in terms of recruiting. That yeah. that doesn't equal success in terms of developing receivers. But again, maybe I'm letting Josh Hype off the hook too easily. I don't mind giving him a chance. And then if it doesn't work out, then when you're back in a normal coaching carousel in terms of the calendar, you, you go hire somebody next January. Again, maybe I'm letting pull off the hook too easily. But if, if it doesn't work out, then so be it you understood making the move at the time and, and then now just go make a, a hire that you won't have to regret like you did with this one. If it were to not work out.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no reason for hypo to necessarily quote be on the hook and like, I'm not being critical or praising the high, the move if it were to happen, uh, right now anyways. Um, all i'm saying is what could happen and if it does happen let's not be blindsided let's go out and still get a quality coach if gosch leaves and takes pope with him make sure that you're able to re- re- replace him and i'm o- like i'm okay with kelsey pope moving in and being being a receiver coach obviously i had my pick or picks because I wanted guys that I knew could develop and I knew who could recruit. So why, why would I take somebody that I don't know can do those things? Well, Tennessee coaches feel like bringing in a coach at this point of the offseason be hard to do, man. You're trying to teach a new coach a system that these coaches have have been working together on for the last two, three, four years together at Central Florida and one it at Tennessee. So I 1,000% understand that. I do. And then with the NIL and Tennessee being an attractive place, I think you can make up for some, you know, inexperience in recruiting. I think you can. So, you know, I'm not against this move just because, you know, my selection wasn't hired. Because Kelsey Pope could be the next David Johnson. He could be the next Trooper Taylor. And we won't know that until he gets an opportunity. So um, I haven't met him before. I haven't met Cody Burns. I've heard good things about Kelsey Pope. And um, I hope he tears it up, man. I know the players are really, really excited about him being, being a receiver coach. 865-25503. We knew the the the, the, the players are going to tell us, the recruits are going to tell us. Vaughn Birmingham says, uh, "Uh, I don't know about not being able to hire a proven commodity. Could have hired Trooper David Johnson. This was their choice over them. Yeah, yeah." Um, uh, but I don't co-
2: know why Heupel chose not to. I don't know that I'll ever get that. I answer. think that's the reason,
1: man. I, I think that at this point I'm of this, comfortable with Pope, man. At this point of the season. I mean, we're talking about March, the, the March, what, 4th and 5th, trying to hire a receiver coach and spring practice is three weeks away? I mean, I, I understand. I get it. I totally get it. Totally get it. But David Johnson is a proven recruiter and a proven developer. Proven. And it's hard for me to, Disagree with people who says, "All right, well, the Kelsey Pope hire will be just a lazy hire." Well, I mean, maybe it is, but how do we know right now until we see the product on the field, it's an easy hire. We've 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 crapped on Dabo for making a lazy hire, not going outside when guys left to go other jobs, but only time will tell. Only time will tell if if Kelsey Pope is ready to roll. That's it. That is it. We we cannot sit here and make a statement today as if it already happened. Because that's not fair to Kelsey Pope. That's not fair to, to Josh Heupel. It's just not fair. And uh, I, I feel like we should be fair. Of course, he wanted to splash hire. Every time there's an opening, we want splash hire. We want the name, right? Everybody wants that. But... It's about the right fit. It's about the right fit. Hopefully Kelsey Pope is the right fit. All right. Riley Vall says, feel like the Nico visit looked great. Wonder if he plans to commit this month to any school. Well, the plan is for him to commit in May. I wonder if this weekend changes that. But, man, Tennessee, Tennessee did everything they could possibly do everything Ben Tennessee put forth an A plus effort and I think Tennessee's in a good spot right now but there's a lot of time between now and when Nico Iamaleava is going to commit Ben let's get you on the plane man back to God's country safe travels my friend safe travels looking forward to seeing you here in a couple of hours
2: Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow
1: sounds good For Ben McKee and Jason Swain, that was hour number two. Hour three is Around the Corner. When we come back, we'll be joined by Jonathan Wade, former Tennessee DB, NFL DB, will join us talking NFL Combine, recruiting all things Tennessee. Coming up.